Thank you for joining us on the Author Talk Show for deep dive conversations with today's most brilliant authors as they share their story in a way you've never heard before. This episode was made possible in part by your friends at BookLogics, the people who help write, publish, and market your next book. Visit them at booklogics.com. Here's your host, Rich Casanova. All right, welcome to another episode of Author Talk Show. I'm your host, Rich Casanova, here in our uh, newest uh, second studio in Buckhead, uh, just a few blocks from our other one. It's kind of like Starbucks. They're opening on every corner. <laughs> it might take us a few years to catch up with them, but um, uh, we're here for an episode of Author Talk Show. As I mentioned, we have in the studio joining us here is J.J. Haas. He's the uh, author of Welcome to Sugarville, and welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. All right, and that's your author name. Uh, through the show, we might call you Jeff, if that's okay. Yeah. And that's fine. Okay, cool. Well, you can just call me Rich. Okay, <laughs> All right. So, um, so you've published a fiction and poetry in wide variety of magazines, such as Shenandoah, Rattle, the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. I mean, it goes on. It's, it's interesting. So um, you're also a fellow of the Society for Technical Communication. That might have come in handy if we need you for the studio, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> All right, cool. You've also been an instructor in the Creative Writing a Certificate Program at Emory Continuing educa- Education. That must be interesting. Uh, tell I me a little bit about that. Uh, usually it's... it's uh, people who already have degrees who are, haven't written, uh, haven't had the opportunity to write in their okay. lives and are coming back to be able to do that. So we would run workshops and uh, critique each other's uh, fiction. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so is this a, a series of classes they would take then, or is it just a gathering of... Um, it's uh, a series of classes that they would take over the course of at least a year okay, and wow. finish with a project so that they would get a certificate in writing. Oh, wow. Yes. I might need to uh, take you up on that. So you're also a graduate of the College University of Chicago in English Language and Literature and a past president of the Alumni Club here for uh, in Atlanta. Uh, you live in, a, in the suburb of Atlanta with your wife, Melissa, and two Westies, uh, Rose and Coco. That's correct, and they, they take up most of our time. <laughs> I would guess so. Whatever, we're, yeah. we're empty nesters, so we have these dogs. <laughs> right, <now. yeah. laughs> nice. How old are they? Uh, one is 10 and one is 3. And uh, they're they're great dogs. Yeah, West. I highly recommend Westies. Okay, so when we do dog talk radio, yeah, we'll bring them in. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, let's jump right into the book, and we're also going to talk later in the show about your writing process in general, especially having to, uh, you know taught that course or the continuing education or being involved in that. Uh, I think our listeners would look for some tips, some uh, guidance, some you know uh, pitfalls to maybe avoid and so forth, and maybe some shortcuts as well. Sure. Okay, but now let's jump into the book. So this is a fascinating concept. That, um, so the name of the book, Welcome to Sugarville. As we mentioned, it's a novel of stories, and um, I have a copy here on the uh, on our studio in our studio. And you also recorded an audio book as well, right? Yes, it's available as a paperback, um, as an audio book, and also as an ebook, all on Amazon. And you launched it uh, at the Carter Center in Atlanta. That's pretty yeah, impressive. Really How would you pull that it. off? <laughs> it was great. We just rented the room and, and took it down there, and, and it was a terrific, terrific place to have a book launch. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. All right. And um, so what's the idea behind the book and what might people expect in reading it? Okay. So the, the book is a series of interlinked stories that are all set in Sugarville, which right. is a fictional <laughs> town in Northeast Atlanta. Right. So I, I made it up. Nice. <laughs> so I, I bought into it. I thought I, I was trying to GPS it. It didn't come up. Yeah. No, it's maybe somewhere between Sugarloaf and Lawrence. Right. Yeah. Something like that. So all the stories are set in one place. So it is a character in the, in the stories themselves. Okay. And then there are individual protagonists for each of the stories. 
countries, each dealing with some type of psychological or spiritual crisis in their lives. Now, do these stand alone? Are they episodic? or um... They can stand alone, though there are some recurring characters okay, in yeah. the stories. Yes. Because, you know, I... I it's the first time I've heard of this kind of format or structure. I think it's compelling as a reader because it's something you could, you know, uh, enjoy, really dive into the subject matter of that, follow that character over a cup of coffee and then go on about your day and come back yes. to another story. I, I got the idea from a, a collection called Winesburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson. Okay. Um, and that, that was, those stories were all set in one town. Yeah. And so I kind of like took that idea and modernized it, uh, made it contemporary uh, setting, uh, contemporary protagonists and i was able to compile that over over the course of about 20 years really really yeah. oh wow i've written other things but i always came back to sugarville so this is almost like 20 years in the making yes oh my <laughs> gosh wow <laughs> we need to definitely talk about um other writings that may, may be shorter or you know some uh, in terms of timeline but talk to us about this is an interesting question what's the book's first line Okay, so the first story is God helps those who help themselves, and the first line is, Dr. Albert Cole woke up thirsty. <laughs> so uh, Kurt Vonnegut once said that you need to make your protagonist want something right away, even if it's only a glass of water. So I decided to take that, uh, that advice literally and make this person all of a sudden live in a world where there was no more water. And so then what happens to this person? He, he searches for water. He cannot find it. It's kind of a fantastic element. And then he's, he essentially goes on a journey to find water, but at the same time, he's kind of devolving during the course of the story. So effectively, he's lo losing his humanity and losing his civilization as the story progresses. Well, it's interesting timing. I'm sure you didn't type it this way, but we have we just happen to have a water issue going on in Atlanta. Yes, it's Fulton County for the next 24 hours. Yeah, well, so. and in Atlanta, uh, we, we've had to fight over the water at Lake, in Lake Lanier. In fact, Lake Lanier figures in the story. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, we had to fight. I think it went up to the Supreme Court uh, for Georgia to, to uh, claim the water in Lake Lanier over Florida and Alabama. And that was a few years back. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that yeah. we could have water wars in the future in the United States. Well, it's, it's happened in our region, certainly, uh, mm -hmm. the whole Alabama and in California. I used to live in California. It was the same thing with Oregon and so forth. Exactly. And there's a lot of third world countries that we take it for granted that we just turn on the faucet or the sink and out comes right. fresh, and clean water. And that was kind of what I wanted to get to with this story. Well, what would happen if our grocery stores all of a sudden didn't have food? I mean, it, panic. It, it, panic. We, we would we would be in a state of barbarism, and my feeling is that we're closer to them that that right. than we believe. <laughs> we think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So before we go on to the next question, I want to uh, rewind for a second of this idea of having the character want something. Mm -hmm. Behind that is the idea of a hook or whatever, or get the reader immediately. Yes. Looking for an answer, or what, what's the psychology behind that? Yeah, it's a uh, standard in creative writing that okay. you should want your character to want something. It could be as simple as a glass of water, but typically it's more than that. It's like um, Macbeth wants has ambition, right? Okay, so that's right. that's the thing that he wants. He wants to be king. Right. Um, so every character in the best fiction has some desire that they want to pursue, and that desire in their character makes the plot push forward okay so then they they want something and then they meet obstacles to getting that thing and that at the end of the story they either get it or they don't oh, yeah. but there's a resolution and you feel uh, satisfied by the ending well i get the obstacle 
part, but um, and I don't want to give out too many trade secrets or whatever, right? But um, and not to dwell on this, but is the idea of right out of the gates of and that's the first line in your book. Want something is does that cause the reader to get engaged immediately? Is that part of the? That, that's my intention. Okay, my, that not every author does it that way. Right. Um, it typically authors will want to introduce a character and get a sense of Backstory, what the character yeah. is. And then you get to oh. the point at which they want something. Okay, yeah. But from my standpoint, I like to engage the reader as quickly as possible right. in, in what the desire is so that then they can move forward with the plot. Well, especially with today's attention span, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, I, I do write some shorter stories, which are called flashes, that are okay. under a thousand words. Right. And there's several in this book. Um, and that has become a real popular um, way of writing fiction right. since the advent of the Internet. Yeah, right, because yeah. people don't want to read anything. Yeah. And, and you can read one of these flashes online and get it over with quickly. Yeah, that's a popular trend in business now mm-hmm. is the um, the highlights of a book or the cliffs notes, if you will, right? Because right. you get the gist of the story, but as a business person, you can't read all the latest you know, uh, novels that come out and so forth, right? Right, and storytelling has influenced a lot of business processes now. We use storytelling and technical writing as well. You're right. I, uh, there's a number of series of books that are more fable based right and you get you get caught up in the storyline and then at the end you realize i get the connection right. of how it applies to my business That's a way, way to learn something bob berg, berg is great at that the go-giver and mm-hmm. a series of books right um even the um the classic chicken soup for the soul yeah right right exactly. tells a story and then they then you hear the resolution okay so let's jump back to your book so give us that be- the best uh, pitch the best pitch it's a, a series of interconnected stories that you'll want to that will make you laugh okay. but also make you think that's my thought about behind and somebody actually said i, th- I thought the uh, i've gotten several reviews and some excellent reviews of the book um and people have said that it's twilight zone set in georgia <laughs> oh nice so I, I like that that's my <laughs> twilight <question>. georgia yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice well there's a lot of film going on in in georgia that kind of uh Throwback to the Twilight Zone, if you will, right? And I wouldn't mind if they made a series of this at all. <laughs> yeah. Not at all, yeah. If, I, if we can help make that happen, uh, just look for a small percentage, whatever, yeah. No, I think, um, I haven't read the book, obviously, yet, but I look forward to reading it. And But if those those stories in a fictional town, um, it certainly has the, uh, the capability for a, a script, right? Well, absolutely, and there are a lot more anthology series now where okay. you might have right. something that, like a Twilight Zone, where mm-hmm. there's a certain type of vibe to the stories, but there are different characters for each uh, series episode. Yeah, let's jump into that. That wasn't really part of our conversation, but are you looking to develop a series out of this? Like a, uh, cause that's the thing. If you can build a franchise out of that book or whatever, right? Well, I've, I've been pitching it to various people okay. um, and uh, they are remaking the twilight zone series. So oh. I, I suggested some of the stories <laughs> right. to them. Nice. But as far as your book, is there going to be a welcome to Sugarville volume two or welcome to the next town? Well, you know, I, the I, no- do ha- I do have enough stories or almost enough stories okay. for a, a second collection, but I'm also working on a novel at, at the time. Well, and plus, uh, you may not ha- want to spend another 20 years for volume two, right? No, I, I wouldn't need to this time. <laughs> right, exactly. That's true, yeah. I mean, that's like the, the classic, uh, I remember Bill Walsh, the uh, coach for the 49ers, he won the Super Bowl. He's at the gas station right after the, driving home from the game, and the attendant's like, so what are you going to do next year? He's like, can I just enjoy this Super Bowl exactly. right now, right? Can exactly. I just enjoy this book, right? <laughs> or they say about rock stars, you get 28 years for the first album and six months for the next one. <laughs> right, yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, the episode and the recording in the studio, Jeff shared with me Chapter 8 from the book called The Package. So uh, let's go ahead and listen to a clip right now. The Package 
The package must have arrived during the night because it was resting on Jacob Osborne's welcome mat early in the morning. The lightest of sleepers, Jacob was up with the sun and spotted the small box wrapped in coarse brown paper sitting on his front porch. He twisted his head to get a better look through the front door window, but all he saw was the thick string holding the package together. He didn't know what to do. After ten minutes of indecision, he went to the garage and grabbed his extended pruning shears, then put on his Kevlar vest and gloves. Turning off the security alarm and unlocking three deadbolts, he cracked the front door and peeked out. So far, so good. Standing back from the door, he angled the pruning shears through the opening and nudged the package with the tip, then nudged it a little farther. When he had pushed the package several inches without incident, he was relieved, at least temporarily. Now he had to pick the damn thing up. Setting the shears down in the foyer, Jacob opened the front door wider, stuck his head through the opening, and looked down at the package. His name and location were correct, but there was no return address. He knew it was risky, but before he could stop himself, he swung the door wide open and picked up the package. To his amazement, nothing happened. Gaining confidence, he carried the package into the kitchen and set it down on the island. He carefully removed the string, slowly unwrapped the package, and pulled the paper away from a slick white box. Written prominently on top of the box was the name of a familiar company. Thank God, it was only his medicine. All right, Jeff, well, it's fascinating just hearing the story of the book and all the stories in the book, some of the teasers and so forth, what inspired you. Um, and we were talking about, you know, that journey, and that process, the challenges, but let's talk about the publishing piece of it, right? Um, so, you know, what were your options? How did you go about, you know, getting the book to print, so to speak? Talk to me about that sure. process. Uh, I realized uh, early on that most traditional publishers are not that interested in short story collections. So I decided to go with an independent publisher, and that was Book Logic's Book Logics. Yes. Book we know Logics. those guys, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, they were in Alpharetta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I live in Duluth. Oh. So it was really terrific. So I could go, I could drive over there right. and meet with people in person. And they took me through the whole publishing process, including the uh, the developmental edit, um, creating the, the graphics. There, There's a cover graphic, but there's also internal graphics right. in this book, which is kind of unusual. Um, and then through the publishing and everything else, and also the marketing as well. So they helped me set up my Facebook page and do oh, all wow. those types of things, and, and my website as well. So I did the whole enchilada with them, <laughs> right, yeah. and I was very pleased with them. They're as honest as the day is long, yeah. and I really enjoyed working with them. Um, the so, whole enchilada with Angela. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I just realized because looking at the back of the book, yeah, and it does, um, Book Logics is on there. And that's fascinating because we had him, as I mentioned, I think before we went on the air, we, we had him, Angela, actually, the new CEO and president in our studio on the inaugural episode of uh, Author Talk Show. So, um, oh, that's terrific. Yeah, that's great. So, what a coincidence. So, the beauty of that is because you have other options, would it, right? Absolutely. But, right, if you're right here in Atlanta, that's an interesting dynamic, right? That Exactly. I, you know, other people have gone with other independent publishers with various levels of success. Right. Um, but I, I was very pleased with the, the service that I received and the ability to meet with them on a one on one basis. So, that really helped me a lot. And I didn't realize the other components that they delivered for you as well. So, I know a 
little bit about their operation. We've, uh, like I said, we had Angela in there, but so they can help you from uh, kind of all the cart, the whole process A to Z, or whatever right. kind well, of you need, right? Everything. So it was like project management, um, the editing process, which included developmental editing and proofreading and those wow. types of things. Um, the graphics, they they sourced the graphic artist for me, and I was very pleased with her. So things like I gave her a concept of right. what I wanted the cover to look like, and she came back with three options. Okay, wow. And so then we went from there and chose the option I wanted. So it was very much a collaborative effort, yeah. and that's what I really appreciated about it. And like I said, it's kind of cool just to drive across you know, Atlanta and um, you know, as needed – kind of meet with them in person, kind of see the operation. And I haven't been there yet. We're planning a trip up there. Uh-huh. But they uh, it's a pretty good-sized facility, right? Yes, it is. And they print the books right there. Yeah, yeah. So it's really terrific. So if I need another book, right. so if I, I'm putting it in a bookstore, right, yeah. I can go get another 20 copies. Oh, wow. And so they can do. kind of print on demand. Absolutely. And that's the point. That's exactly what they do is they print on demand so that you don't have a, a backlog or a storage of, of books that you paid for that you didn't need. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get that all-critical uh ISBN number or whatever, right? Exactly. They did that for me as well and set it up on Amazon. And finally, like you said, um, the, the website, the Facebook, the social media... Right, and the marketing aspects of it, uh, so they submitted my book for me uh, to contests, that oh, wow. type of thing. So it's, it's been ongoing, and, and they yeah. really have my best interest at heart, and I do what I can to promote them as well. Well, you just did a, an excellent <laughs> job of that as well. So uh, so uh, shout out again to the guys and, and uh, ladies at BookLogix, uh, big fans of theirs. And um, it's, it's just interesting that you happen to be uh, one of their customers as well. So that was kind Absolutely. of interesting. Yeah, cool. All right. So, um, so let's jump into, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the process of writing. So talk to us about the inspiration behind the book. Uh, is it a particular person or event that inspired this or triggered well, it? Well, it, all of the stories are, are, are influenced by various people that I've met over the years. Um, the, the writers that have uh, influenced me the most are Kurt Vonnegut uh, for his novels and Flannery O'Connor, native Georgian, for her short stories. I tend to write black humor. Um, some people say it's more black than humor. Right. But it depends on your <laughs> attitude about right, it. Yeah. Um, so I try to infuse my stories a sense essentially with a, a a surface simplicity with complexity underneath. Okay. In fact, that's what one of the reviewers said about it. Uh, Writers Digest recently reviewed it. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and that's, they said these stories are simple yet complex. And by that they meant, I believe, that you can anybody can read these stories on a superficial level, just understand what's going on. It's not, uh, it's not written like a literary novel, right. per se. But as you start to understand what's going on metaphorically, there's more there. So who do you anticipate your audience to be for this book? Well, it's kind of a crossover audience between, suppose, the literary and the genre. So okay. I, I, I have gone to various uh, conferences. So I, I, I spoke at the Decatur Book Festival right. this year and also at Conjuration. Um, so I, I kind of cross over between the literary and the genre um, in my audiences. And so um, that's who I'm targeting. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, and it's a reasonable size, too. How many pages are we talking here? Uh, I guess it's around... 200 little, yeah, a little under yeah. 200, yeah. Because, yeah, right. you know, these 400-page uh, uh, books, whatever, maybe when I retire, I'll get around to those, right? <laughs> well, I, I tend to write fairly concisely. Um, in, in the A lot of the genre stuff goes on okay. forever. There's multiple novels. That yeah, layers there. and everything. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I won't be writing a series of novels, I don't think. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, so, so let's pivot now for um, fictional titles. What's the most distinctive thing about a main character? Uh, well, in this, in, say in the first story, the, the main character is, is a doctor, and he essentially 
wakes up and there's no water in the world anymore. So he right. looks for it in his house. He can't find it. He goes to the grocery store. He can't find it there. And eventually he meets, um, I won't give away too much, he meets yeah. a, a Creek Indian and he has a, comes to an understanding with him. So his nature is that he seems to be a civilized person in our society. He's right. a doctor. He's got million dollar house. He's got his Mercedes. On the surface. On the surface. Right. But when it comes, when difficulties come in his life, even the simplest thing, right. he's unable to cope with them. Almost comes unhinged. Yes. Sounds exactly. like a. That's right. I was just reading the back of the book. It is pretty compelling. Um, you talked about a, a, it says a man schedules the doctor's appointment. Another receives a mysterious package. Another quits his job to prepare for the, acop- the apocalypse. Apocalypse, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, this would be this is something that would be, I think, compelling to a, a wide audience. All right. So let's talk about um, you. Ref- you affectionately refer to your characters in your book as. My sugar villains. Sugar villains. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. So it, effectively, it's not that they're, they're bad people. Right. It's just that they're dealing with difficult circumstances. I like writing about the gray areas of life. Okay, um, yeah. I, I read a lot of Lake Hooray. I, I just He comes to mind because I just watched The Little Drummer Girl on TV. Right. And he deals with actual gray areas in life, moral difficulties. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the, it's not... The world is not black and white right. as much as we would like it to be. We have to deal with these difficult circumstances, and as you deal with these difficult circumstances over your life, that develops your character. So what these characters are tested in the ultimate way, and that's kind of what Flannery O'Connor did in her work as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I like that whole premise because, I mean, I can kind of uh, tie that into um, uh, here on the Pro Business Channel, a lot of our conversations about, you know, business people and so forth and, um, you know, startups and the challenges that they have. And uh, I'm obsessed with the Shark Tank. Um, and oh, yeah, so, right. uh-huh. And I hear that a lot of the conversation is the interaction with those entrepreneurs are is, you know, you've got to have um, a bit of stamina and perseverance to um, and it really it, it tests you whether you're talking about the personal challenges people have, but you know in the business challenges, whatever that life challenge is, you know you've got to be able to push through it somehow, right? right? But it's also interesting how different people faced with the same challenge, how they will um, some will just coil, right, and others will survive and right. And how do you maintain your soul yeah, during those circumstances? Right. There are, there are plenty of. of good examples we have in the business world of somebody like Warren Buffett, right. who has maintained his soul yeah. and made billions of dollars, too. Yeah, I just watched an hour documentary on him. It was fascinating. Uh-huh. Uh, I've, I've known him a little bit, but watching that really gave me the kind of behind the scenes of um, you know, his whole approach. Mm-hmm. And he's the same guy you know, he was 50 years ago. Living in the same house. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. It is crazy. <laughs> he could afford a better house. Right, right, yeah. Well, he does have a couple. Of, he has a house in California, other places. Oh, but, I see. But, but, in, uh, but in Omaha, that's that's his primary residence. Okay, so let's, um, um, anything else before the, we pivot to behind the scenes of the writing? Anything else about the book that w- people should be, you know, dialed into? or um, No, just uh, go out and get it. Yeah, so to, to give us a plug for that. So how would they find it? Okay, it's on Amazon, um, okay. and it is, is the audio book, the, uh, the paperback, and also the, uh, the e-book, and they're all available there. Okay, and you can also go to your website? Yes, it's jjhawsbooks.com. Cool. And it looks like you're on Facebook and LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Um, so, again, you're listening to the Author Talk Show here on the Pro Business Channel with your host, Rich Casanova, alongside our author, J.J. Haas. 
calling him Jeff during this episode. Um, <laughs> uh, so talk to us about, as listeners, maybe new authors or people that have been considering a book or, or hit a, um, a wall, talk to us about your writing process, because each writer has a different process, right? Sure. Well, first I would say that I feel as if I'm a creativity evangelist. I okay. believe that everyone should have some type of creativity in their life. And I used to tell this to my students, too. You're testing out short stories or novels or whatever it is. Maybe this is for you, maybe it's not, but you need to find what is for you and carve out that niche so that you can have creativity in your life. Now, I'm a firm believer that you can have creativity in any aspect of your life. I make sure that I have creativity in my full-time job as well as in my writing. So wherever you can find that, if you can combine the two, your full-time job and your creativity, wonderful. If you can't, you need to find a little piece of yourself that you separate and so that, so that you can find fulfillment in, in your creativity. So as far as writing is concerned, um, you know, I started, I've written lots of different genres, I guess you would say. Um, I've written songs before. I've written uh, screenplays. But I ultimately settled on short stories and novels and poetry because it, it's non-collaborative. Okay, so I don't have all the time in the world to start a rock band like I did in college. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't have that. I, I have. I can carve out maybe a, an hour or two a day where I can write something, and and I also have complete control over that. So there's there's no team involved until, right, yeah. until I send it to an editor. Right, right. You don't have to run it by the committee, and yeah. Exactly. So it's all mine for better or worse, right, right. you know, and, and if I do it right, I feel even more proud of it. So I think that everyone should have some type of aspect in their life of, of creativity. Writing is very fulfilling, and I, I think of it as a, a soul-to-soul connection. Right. The only thing that comes close is music to me, right. but music is made by a team, typically, right? So writing is one individual, one soul, writing to another soul. Right. And I think that's very... Uh, I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I think it's very, it's very, uh, uh, it's emotionally fulfilling for right. me as a writer, and it's emotionally fulfilling for for me as a reader or other people as readers. Yeah, you, you've been uh, talking on this topic about find your creativity and your passion and so forth, right? And um, if you can find that as your career path and your passion. So at this juncture of my life, I think I've you know been able to check both boxes because I, I love radio, I love podcasting, I love what I'm doing, and it's very inspiring just interacting with people. And it's kind of creative because we can create new content, new shows, and you know new channels and meet new people. And um, but before we went on the air, you were talking about I think you just did a trip up to uh, Charleston, was it? Yes. Um, my and, daughter lives there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys did some uh, of that uh, wine tasting and painting. Yeah, it was called <laughs> Wine and Design. Right. Um, our daughter took us, my right. wife and I, and uh, what you do is you try to recreate a painting that they show you at the front of the room, right. and the, the instructor walks around and helps you out with that. So yeah. it's, it's fairly simple. You know, it was a beach scene, okay, yeah. uh, and you divide it into three pieces and things like that. Um, but, but it was you know, a creative outlet that... Absolutely. Th- th- I've never been... I've never painted anything yeah. before and i really enjoyed it yeah. and maybe now i'll take a painting class right, right. right? So, <laughs> so how did your daughter do and the three other three of y'all how did the paintings they, they did fine Every, yeah. everybody had their own ter- interpretation you so know? You, you're not going to pick the best or whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, i wouldn't do that <laughs> as a smart guy jeff yeah. <laughs> the original painter was the best <laughs> right exactly, yeah but it is interesting um 
because I mean, my brother's uh, uh, his whole career has been in coaching, and to him, that's creative. You know, just mm-hmm. putting together the teams and the, um, the, you know, the game plan and so forth, the playbooks and so forth. I mean, you can go into sculpture, whatever you know drives you, right? Um, Absolutely, and you can. I guess what I would encourage people not just to be spectators. Yeah. But I, th- I feel it's better to write a bad poem <laughs> than watch a great TV show, okay? Because well, yeah. you, you, there's only a very limited amount of, of uh, creativity in you watching something. <laughs> right, but exactly. when you try to make something, that's when creativity comes to the fore. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe that poem's terrible. The next one will be better. Right. In the studio we're in, there's a lot of um, – people in the building here all business entrepreneurs and you know startups and it's interesting just walking the halls and seeing what they're creating because you know I, I don't consider myself an artist in the true sense as a writer or a sculptor or painter but i like the idea of creating a business you know startup and because it's it's its own living breathing organism right and it Absolutely. has its own life cycle and you know well, like challenges in, in the technical writing world in the last three years or so i've i've uh, developed uh, videos and that's a, another oh, yeah. creative outlet for me um, so I try to take, I try to find the creative outlet wherever it is and push it because I know that's going to be most fulfilling to me. So what's your day job? I'm a, I'm a technical writer with ADP, so a okay. senior content developer. Oh wow! So anything that has to do with user assistance related to applications, so things like uh, walkthroughs, um, videos, oh, wow. help systems, documents, all that type of stuff. So I think of that as my nonfiction. Right, right, yeah. This is my fiction. <laughs> so you're the guy behind that helps us navigate the the exactly. web, yeah. That's right. Okay, so let's wrap things up here in just a couple minutes with um, go back to uh, you know up and coming writers. Mm-hmm. What are some ways to, you know, what do you find their, the typical challenges are with people getting underway with a book or starting a book? Or at what point do they hit, you know, hit a wall? Or Well, especially for writers, you have to be willing to spend time alone. And I think people don't realize that. Yeah. Um, especially, look at Stephen King. He's probably spent his life in a garage somewhere, <laughs> right, you know, right, yeah. just typing something. Yeah. You know? Enjoy your own company is for one thing. Okay. Um, and then you have to be able to see things through. So you have to be able to start them and finish them. Um, and I, I recommend finishing an entire story and then seeing whether or not it's good or not and then going on to the next one. So the only way you're going to do is by trial and error. I do recommend workshopping your, your story somehow, either uh, face-to-face or right. some type of online workshop and not just showing it to your mother right right uh, some, see some find some people who you respect some authors who are willing to give you some time or editors and uh and then you can improve when they critique your your work yeah because typically we ask authors you know about tips or their journey and so forth but you have a unique perspective being involved as an instructor as we mentioned the creative writing certificate program at emory continuing edu- education so Give us some, um, uh, what are some of those workshops? Or what are some of those topics that they cover there? Well, one of the things that I liked, uh, well, I, various workshops for uh, sometimes short stories or poems or whatever it is that you write. What I liked about it was the face-to-face aspect. Yeah. Uh, sometimes when you do things online, it's not, there's no spirit of trust. Um, when you have a small group of people that you trust, you're willing to take more chances with what you show people. And the best work is very personal work. Right. So if you've had certain experiences in your life you want to write about them but you also want to show them to people that you trust so that i like the face-to-face aspect of that though i have also worked with online workshops as well well the analogy again of um you know we could have done this as a call in a skype call 
Exactly. But in person, the dynamics are completely different. That's right. Um, you have the body language, for yeah. example. They'd say that that's like 85% right. of communication. Yeah. Right? That's, that's astonishing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I subscribe to that 100%. Yeah. <laughs> of that 80%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, um, it's a pleasure having you here in the studio on this episode of Author Talk Show. Closing thoughts or what's next uh, for you? Or um... Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm working on a novel. It's called The Gift of Vision. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's a teaser for our next episode, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and one more time, how would find, uh, folks find you online and get a copy of the book and all that good stuff? On jjhawsbooks.com. My, my book is available on Amazon in all three formats. And, you know, look me up on Facebook or LinkedIn. All right. Well, uh, we'll do that. We'll do. We'll check all those boxes and post it in the show notes. Again, Rich Castanova here on behalf of the Pro Business Channel Networks and the Author Talk Show. We look forward to our next episode.